Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Englert. I am here with our wonderful producer, Nathan Yoder, and my friend, teammate, remarkable person, Amanda D'Angelo. Oh, Peter. I feel the same way about you. Oh, there you go. Well, uh, maybe we're not vulnerable enough, but today's topic is why can't we be vulnerable? It's a great question. We're here with David Kim. Um, and so he wrote a book called Made to Belong, Five Practices for Cultivating Community in Dis- uh, Disconnected World. So Amanda, before we throw it to David, I mean, what what are you most excited about this conversation? I'm most excited about what our listeners can really gather from this and be encouraged to be more vulnerable because I a core value of mine is being authentic and being honest. And I think a lot of people have been hesitant to do that in the past for a variety of reasons and you just know it's okay to be vulnerable. Mm. Well, hmm. that's a great way to start. Yeah. David, teach us Hello. how to- Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> teach us how to be vulnerable. Before we get there, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hi, my name is David and uh, I am married to my wife, Nina, who is a- Therapist, God knows that I need a lot of that throughout my entire life. Um, and uh, we have two girls, uh, Skylar and Zoe. They are mm-hmm. seven and five. We live in uh, Silicon Valley. Our church uh, is in San Jose. We Our church name is Westgate Church. And I'm the discipleship and spiritual formation pastor there and really enjoying my time uh, in that community. I just wrote a book called Made to Belong and um, really wrote it out of my own immigrant journey. I was born in South Korea, came to the States when I was 10 years old. And uh, little did I know that everything would change right before my eyes, a community, friends, neighborhood, city, language, culture, food, I mean, you name it. And so um, it was so foreign to me. And I didn't know how to navigate all of that. And I struggled a lot with loneliness uh, Mm -hmm. throughout my life. And um, I, at that time, I didn't know, but looking back, I, you know, I was using all sorts of things as my coping mechanism to soothe my pain of loneliness and isolation. So pornography, video games, gaming, I mean, you, you name it, uh, food, uh, just all of that to just kind of ease my pain. And, um, and, um, I realized that I wasn't the only one as I began my pastoral ministry and I'm in my 20th year now, um, especially uh, post uh, pandemic. I'm just we're just realizing that it's not just David Kim, the immigrant person's journey, but it's actually all of us. We're all trying to navigate our own loneliness and isolation. And how do we forge deep and meaningful community? And so I wrote that book first for myself and for my church community and and if it's helpful for everyone else, um, may that be so. Wow. I, you're starting us off on the right foot, David, by being so honest. I appreciate that. Um, you said that as you realized that you weren't alone in it, that you weren't the only one, how did you, how did that look for you? How did that occur? How did you find that out? 
Yeah. So in a lot of our pastoral conversations, people would leave our church community saying that they couldn't. One of the main reasons for that was, hey, like I I couldn't find my community here, so I'm going to leave. And or folks who are coming to our church to check out our community, they would say, hey, I'm coming here because I couldn't really find community in my previous community. Mm. And so that wasn't just a first or second conversation, but it just happened over and over and over again. And so I'm like, oh, wow, like this is a real problem. So it's not just like our church community's problem. This is a com- this is a problem that we're all facing. And maybe that it's something that we need to revisit. Is like our small group model really working or not? And and so, um, yeah, that's kind of the places in which I found uh, these uh, conversations. Mm. So let, let's kind of come back to that, because I, I think that there's some universal things for our listeners who might be deconstructing or um, just kind of on the periphery of church, because um, I, I think that there's some expectation issues that we need to deal with. But, you know, our question is, why can't I be vulnerable in church? And I, I just want you to do two things. Number one, you know, help define vulnerability, but then number two, you know, help us understand what that practically and concrete looks like. Because I think for many of us, just having some baseline definition could be really helpful. Yeah, for me, I define vulnerability as coming out of hiding. And so I I say that intentionally because... uh, we as humans, we've been hiding from the beginning, right? Genesis 3, um, as sin and, and brokenness enters the world, the first human instinct, the first human response is to hide. And God says, where are you? And they say, hey, we were afraid because we were naked out of shame. So we hid. And so, and I think we've been doing that since the beginning. And um, the process of vulnerability is an invitation to say, hey, there are parts of our lives that we'd rather choose to hide from one another. And it's funny because we want to be seen, but we hide in order to be seen. Mm. (laughs) Right. And so we wonder why uh, we are not fully seen and fully known. And so we've been hiding. And so the invitation is to come out of hiding. And I love your question. What does that practically look like? Well, the first question to really ask is, what are some of the parts of ourselves that we tend to hide regularly? And that would be the first question to ask ourselves and say, huh, and and to say, to name that and say, um, why am I so afraid of hiding that part? And then to begin to have that conversation, I think is really the first step in vulnerability. I could say more, but that's just to get the conversation started. I think that that's really good. I guess where I want to push you a little bit is what I'm really struggling with this question is faux vulnerability versus actual vulnerability. So, you know, I think I was just in a conversation the other day with, with, uh, with my boss, our, our, our boss, the discipleship pastor, and there's a certain task I'm doing for ministry that like at some point I, I need to offload and delegate. And so his, his like kind of advice to me was just be vulnerable and say, Hey, I appreciate all of you. I love all of you. I can't do this next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what I struggle with is 
there's sometimes the faux vulnerability of I'm just too busy or I'm weary or I'm it's almost like a badge of courage or there's oversharing. And then there's like, so I'm trying to wrestle with how do I bring this up, realizing that there's people listening and the way I come across matters. That I, I don't know if any of that makes sense. Just trying to kind of be real yeah. and honest. Trying to be authentic. Yeah, so I would say um, vulnerability is interesting because I don't think you can be vulnerable unless you're in a safe space to begin with. Mm. And oftentimes we, even Christians, like, I mean, I was just talking to someone in a ministry where their pastor told them to like open up and confess because that's what Jesus wants. And, and the person wasn't ready emotionally, spiritually in uh, his um, own spiritual journey at the time, but because vulnerability is so important and so uh, uh, godly, uh, the pastor forced the person to share in front of the whole group. Mm. And um, I would say, I, th I believe that vulnerability cannot happen unless you're in a safe place. And if you're not in a safe place, or if your coworker, if your boss, or if your church community, or your small group, or wherever that may be, you feel like, if I share this, um, like there's going to be some significant consequences because I do not trust that person holding my story well. And they have proven to be that, then I would say, no, I don't think you should share that in that place. And I think there's a right place and the right time for that. And so the, I think the first thing is, is to ask, is this the right place? Is this, has this community been safe for me? And once that's a green light, I do think the next step is to be vulnerable. So uh, that's the kind of the first response that I would say to your question. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And I would ask let's let's dive into that safe space a little bit more and what that looks like um how my my questions right away with people that i've met even navigating friendships myself i think about that in my context like how do i look for that how do i create a safe place myself and what so good um elements are there that constitute and allow me to say this is a safe place for me to share yeah, so I think we can all start with small portions of vulnerability to test and see if they can handle our level of vulnerability. Mm. Because most of our friends or coworkers or, or church leaders, um, they themselves cannot handle the level of vulnerability that you may be bringing. So what I usually recommend is start small. Don't start with your deepest and the most darkest kind of sin or struggle or a low point in your life, right? And so start small and to see their reaction. Like, are they handling it well? Or are they going, are they like shaking even in their bodily uh, movements? Are they like not able to handle that uh, piece of your story? And so start small and to build from that is what I would say first. So, and then the second okay. question is, yeah, no, go ahead. No, no, you you go ahead. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and, I, uh, when I wrote this book on the five practices of building a deep and meaningful uh, in, uh, community in this lonely world, the first practice that I started with is not vulnerability. I started with priority and commitment. And the reason for that is like, is that person like committed to you? Like, is that person like actually caring about your life? And, and, and are they showing up? 
Like, are they showing up in real ways to you and your your own journey? And and in that place, once you see their commitment towards you and your life, I do think that the next step would be to then open up a little bit more. So I would say priority and commitment to the person comes first and then vulnerability, not vice versa. And once you are able to start small, vulnerability creates greater safety. Mm -hmm. So I I did say like, I did say you need to find someone safe and you're like, how do I find that person? So start a small vulnerability, but vulnerability begets vulnerability, but vulnerability also begets safety. And so I would encourage you to say, hey, I can't find a safe space. Well, maybe you haven't been vulnerable. So stop also blaming everybody else for not having a safe space. Maybe you do need to press in a little bit more. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And so, David, you and I are very similar. Uh, We're kind of pastors in kind of the same role. We're married to therapists and I have two daughters. So, you know, I feel like we're on the, I mean, this is, this is just, you know, so here's where this I'd love, it. <laughs> yeah, I know, man, I know, um, you know, so where I'd like to kind of go, because I'm sure that your wife has kind of impacted you in this conversation, you know, for our listeners, let's be super concrete and specific. So say you and I were friends or we're in a small group, we're just starting to get to know each other. And one of us just shares, hey, every once in a while, you know, maybe once or twice a month, I drink a little bit more than I should. What What's an appropriate or a helpful way to kind of respond and receive that? And when I say drink, it's not just coffee if you're watching us on video, but you know, alcohol, hey, once or twice a month, I probably drink more than I should. How How would you encourage someone to be in a frame of mind to make that a safe place? Yeah, the first thing I would say is ah, Christians are so bad at this, by the way, <laughs> where we uh, we always offer unsolicited advices, right? Like <laughs> we are teachers, we are correctors, we like to give the answer to everyone's life problems. And I would say the best way to do that is to just say, tell me more. Mm. I think that is the posture in which we offer a safe space. Um, I am not assuming anything. I hate when people assume things about me. Like, I don't want to be assumed of anything. I don't want to be judged of anything. I just want you to really understand what I'm navigating. And so if you were to say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with, or this is what I've done, I would say, hey, tell me more about that. Like, what do you mean by that? And what is what is uh, a little bit more drink look like? And what was the main reason for that? And what was going on in your life during that day or during that week? And so, because I want to hear the fuller picture of who you are, because at the end of the day, I want to hold you, not the very thing that you've done. Mm. And so, but in light of that, I have a greater understanding And that's why my fourth practice is empathy. I have a better understanding and an approach to really lean in and to converse with you. So tell me more is a great, I think, first response to get the conversation in a practical way started. Okay, so that makes me wonder about the all the you said there's five practices you have in there. Yeah. Okay. Can you go through each one? Yes. Um, So um, 
When I think about building a deep community, I thought about five practices and they are in order. And this is really important. So they are priority, chemistry, vulnerability, empathy, uh, accountability. So a couple thoughts on this. Christians sometimes start with accountability first. Like, hey, like you did this. And I'm like, I don't, are you even committed? Like, do you even know my name? Like, do you even know my background and my story? And when accountability comes first, uh, that's what friends we call spiritual abuse oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to start with the person, like we're committed to one another priority. And then afterwards it's chemistry. Like, are there deeper connections? Because not all of us will be best friends with one another, right? And so to understand some of the uh, deeper values and connections that God is bringing in the midst, I think to lean in is appropriate. There is a way to love all people and still have chemistry with the few. Like Jesus did that with his 12 disciples and the inner three. And I think there's a way to navigate that. And so I talk about that in chemistry. And once you do, you are able to now be vulnerable and open up a little bit. And when vulnerability then is met with empathy instead of correction, right? Like empathy, then truly you're able to be seen and known and cared for. But Christian community, the goal is not just vulnerability and empathy. We are meeting together to challenge and support one another to become all that Christ is doing in our lives. And so the accountability is the final piece where like, wow, like you are really for me and that you want the best things for my life. And when we are able to do all five in that order, then we're able to really forge deep, uh, meaningful communities where we are fully known and seen and loved enough to to go together in our journey of Christ likeness. Yeah. I love that you just went through all of that because I, I think what what I'm seeing and you're kind of putting words to it, I just have never put this all together. We have super lonely and hurt people that are taking a huge courageous step of coming to church. And then we have people that want to follow Jesus. They want to glorify him and their church people and and they think that there's this huge pressure to change people um, without being too crass. And so even I think that what you're bringing up is one of the reasons why um, we're facing this vulnerability crisis or even this belonging crisis is we have two people, two sets of people that are super anxious and are trying to find transformation and find real meaning and it's almost as if we're we're missing each other along the way does that make sense yeah totally uh i mean to talk about my context a little bit like in silicon valley people don't move here for relationships they move here for work and so um, they are trying to move up the corporate ladder, Facebook, Apple, Google, you name it. And they are going to leave once they make whatever the amount that they need to make. And so because of that, um, I think we face a lot of challenges because people are all coming in with different kinds of even um, 
expectations and reasons of why they are even showing up in the first place. And so um, this is why uh, I started with priority. Like, I know we live in a hyper individualistic, hyper mobile culture, but like, let's like start with saying like, let's commit to one another. And that may be even just showing up on a Sunday morning. Uh, That may be uh, for some just showing up to a park day, right? And so to start somewhere and to even show up in a small way, I think it's really a beautiful way to begin and to not rush other people in different uh, uh, processes of their belonging journey and expectations and to bring clarity to each other's expectations to have honest conversation is really important in our journey. I think some folks, some Christians with good intentions, I believe, but like are like so anxious about, to your point, about just getting to accountability. But I'm like, some other people are like, I just want to meet a friend. Like, <laughs> like, let me start there. Like, I care about accountability too, right? But like, but I want to like grab a meal together first. And so I think to have those kind of honest conversation is really important because at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm the new next steps director here at Browncroft and I meet a lot of new guests. And the, the main thing that people want is community. They want to find people that they can live life with. Um, and even in that situation or others, friends that I have from back home, which is Buffalo, they want that, but they're not willing to pursue it. So they don't put themselves out there. They don't go to the church events or they do, but they like kind of stand off on the sidelines. And I have to encourage them to say, you know, when I'm in that safe space with people to give them the accountability, which I think is a really good point to say, just go talk to one person. Just go say hello to one person. It just starts with a hello. Is that how you would encourage people in that way? Or would you suggest anything else? Yeah. So one of the things I've done is like people will say, but I'm busy, right? That's like the first thing. My life is chaotic. Silicon Valley is busy. So I don't have enough time. I think that's an excuse. We all can make time for what matters to us. And so I would first challenge the very false notion that we are too busy and there's not enough time for community. So that's the first kind of uh, conversation that I would have. And number two, I would say, what would it look like if you, if loneliness is really a big deal to you, what would it look like for you to block off a certain amount of time during the week for you to just show up? And so, um, for me, that looks like, and I, again, I wrote this because I was so bad at it to begin with, right? And so for me, I blocked off Tuesday nights on my Google Calendar, right? And our folks love like Google Calendars because they invented them, right? And so <laughs> like from 7 to 10, right? And and just say like, hey, 7 to 10, whatever it looks like, I'm just going to just be involved in things that are outside just my own comfort zone, And that's how I started. Seven to 10, I got permission from my family to say, I'm going to show up to an event. I'm going to show up to a small group, whatever that looks like. And I'll start there. And um, yeah, in small ways, you do that. And then you see, again, from there, this is why chemistry is so important to see what kind of um, connections that God might be bringing. And so for us too, we do a lot of 
social events. And I grew up in a conservative church. And so if you come from like a conservative context, you're like, that's not spiritual, like volleyball game night. Like that's, what does that have to do with Jesus community? And I'm like, no, that has everything to do with it because we will not find meaningful shared connections unless you create these fun, um, safe environments where people can um, share similar experiences. And in that place, they can have then some more honest conversations. Mm. So, you know, I'm an Enneagram too. I'm also an extrovert. Uh, So like I just, I didn't realize this, but like I have this natural tendency. I gravitate towards the person that's sitting by themselves, like, just I have this radar for it almost too much. Um, but, you know, what I want to kind of lean on with you is, you know, you're talking about in your five steps that belonging is a process. And so just what have you learned about kind of starting conversations, getting to know people? Mm-hmm. What are some super concrete things? Like, for example, for me, when I first meet someone, the the question that I ask is, Tell me about where you grew up. Um, and the reason I ask that is um, it's kind of a, it's a non, uh, it's a question that I don't have to, if I don't like my job, I don't have to share about it. Just, and you find out, you're surprised what you find out about. Are there tips? Are there ha- Are these little concrete things that you've learned that you would encourage people? Because most people are like, yeah, I want to prioritize it. I want to do it. But like the thought of like Sunday morning after church talking to a complete stranger just seems out of bounds. I don't know. What are some things in there? I want to add to that and say, I am also with Peter. Like I could ask questions all day long to people. For example, first date with my now husband, Nick, I hijacked the whole conversation, the first half of it. And at some point, Nick had to stop me and say, can I ask you questions now? Like, I'm just so good at that. Um, I recognize that. But for someone else who's not, that would be very hard. So I just want to say that as well. Yeah. So, yes, I I am speaking to our introvert friends in the room. And and I, I just want to say, um, oh, so much to say, but a couple things here. Number one is that I think there's a tendency for us to first uh, blame the community before we take responsibility for ourselves. Mm. Like I see that a lot where like, oh, I can't find community. It's the pastor's fault. It's the next director's, next step's director's fault. Like they didn't do a great job, right? It's your uh, life group, small groups, community groups, uh, leaders fault or whatever. But I would say first and foremost, and this is why these are five practices that we have to practice. And so, and that was my excuse growing up. Like how come no one is reaching out to me? Like it's everybody else his problem. And so I know this sounds a little bit harsh, but to say first and foremost, taking responsibility for our own cultivation of community is important, number one. And number two is that, yeah, I would, I used to like uh, ask questions about what do you do for work? And um, that conversation, like it's a, it's like 15 seconds. Like I work in tech and then the conversation ends. And so I stopped asking that, Um, though it's interesting. And so in our church community, we have a larger community and and people get often really shocked by that. Um, Everyone that comes to our church uh, doors, uh, they have to... uh, 
they don't have to, but we encourage them uh, the, to share their life story. And they cannot understand such a big community like ours for all of our pastors to stop what they're doing and to ask each person their their life story. And um, I know it sounds like, oh, that's like a lot, but you would be surprised how first like, like surprised they are. And number two, how like refreshed they are. Like what? Like, like, I thought I'm just like, they wouldn't say this, but like, I thought I'm just like a number here or something like that to say, like, I can't believe you want to just like, tell me about your story. And I would love just to hear like what, what you're, what you've been up to. And um, that has gone a long way. And every time we've asked that, and now we've been asking that to thousands of folks here in our community, uh, almost always, uh, they talk for 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one is like, oh, I'm uninterested in sharing my life. I think people uh, want to be seen, want to be known. And if somebody were to slow down to ask and say, tell me about your story, I think they, you would be surprised how many people would just begin to share. And uh, that's been really working for our church community, at least. Okay, that's I love hearing that. Um, I started in this role in November and kind of had some things that I carry, like I took on from the per- previous person and like, including like email responses to new guests. Right. And I was finding I wasn't getting much responses. Like maybe they were before, but I just wasn't. And I'm like, how do I change this? So when a new guest comes and I don't have the privilege of meeting with them, maybe my leader did instead at our like welcome area. I just change to say, I'm Amanda. I'm the next steps director here. My heart is to to know you and um, to help you get connected here at Browncroft and a growing relationship with God. Um, tell me a little about your story. Like, tell me a little about yourself. And their responses were flooding in. It was wow. crazy. And I, it just showed me so much that you're right. Exactly. What we said it. People want to be known. They, especially coming to church, there's a vulnerability just in that is coming to church for the first time to say, I'm seeking something. I'm seeking someone. Um, and so someone to just be able to have a place where they can share about themselves is huge. So, um, do you do that David, like face to face with the people or do you do it? Like, how do you do that at your church with asking the stories? Uh, Yes. Um, face to face with every single person. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And it's, uh, we say it this in this way, it's the most ineff- uh, inefficient part of our uh, next steps pathway, but it's the most impactful because all of our staff have to slow down and all of our staff, they have to do it. It doesn't matter whether you're part of our uh, small groups, next steps, discipleship, welcoming guest experience team, every staff, worship pastors included, uh, executive team included, they got to do this. And it shows that at the end of the day, are, are we here to serve our people and, and worship Jesus? Right? I mean, I, I mean, that's, those are the two things. And so, um, yeah, and that's, served us a long way. And we've been doing this for the last 20 years. So I'm, I don't take any credit for this. Like I, uh, uh, this is something I learned in my role. Like, wow, that's a unique and a beautiful um, heritage that I'm taking on. And so that's, yeah, way to go to our Love predecessors. It. Love it. So I, I want to kind of come back because I think some of our listeners, they, they're people that on the outside, we'd say, they're super connected to church. So let me have some fun with you. I've never met someone that articulated to me, like I'm core belong, like I'm a core person that belongs to the church. 
Like I think 97% of people, they feel like they're not in it. And some of that's the church. Some of that is us as leaders. And a lot of it is the individuals themselves. So to the person that's serving, that's in a small group, that's coming on Sunday morning, and they're just not feeling like they can be vulnerable and they don't feel like they can be, they belong, you know, what would you say to them? And, you know, part of that question kind of comes in too. I'm wondering, there's a level of relationships that's just boring. Like, you know, it's not like every Tuesday night that you slot off, you know, on your calendar, it's, you know, awesome, you know, that, you know, we're recording this while the Golden State Warriors, you know, are playing the Sacramento. It's not like every night you get to watch the game and go crazy. You know, I'm sure some of it is boring. There's times that I get together with people. It's not like I have this huge pastoral epiphany. So for people that are taking the right steps and maybe they feel like they're in a funk, how would you encourage them? What would you say to them? What advice would you give them? Yeah. Uh, thanks for asking that. Um, okay, so because I'm a pastor, I got to say a couple things before that. Uh, number one is that I think I think pastors and leaders, like it, it starts with the church and the community culture. And I don't think pastors and leaders are vulnerable. And because they're not vulnerable, it does not create a culture of vulnerability. And so if your community, if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, like my community is not that really deep. Uh, and if you're a leader, it's first the responsibility is on you because maybe you're not sharing much of your own self and um, in, in, in kind of your pulpits or whatever you want to call it in your teaching or preaching. It's like oftentimes like they don't share anything about what they're going through. <laughs> and so like, so then I, that, brings me to assume that like maybe my my struggles are not safe here to be shared and so i would say it's gotta start with the leaders it's gotta start with the small group leaders it's gotta start with the pastors like i again i grew up in a conservative church where the pastor said like it's it's all gotta be about god why would i share about my struggle so i'm just gonna talk about the bible and I'm like, I get it, but you got to talk about how the Bible is actually impacting you, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that's, I, I would say that's the first comment. And then the second comment is that really work through the tears of uh, the challenges of vulnerability. So I'm, let me, let me, since I'm talking about that, let me just share mine. I'm a Korean American male Christian pastor. Those are like five unique challenges in which I don't have to be vulnerable. And so if you're listening to this, like figure out what are some of the challenges that you are facing that makes you um, hide. And so Korean, like Asian communities, a ton of shame culture. And so like we cannot really talk about our stuff because it looks bad on our uh, families and our communities and our our nation at large, right? Like like I somehow because we're such a communal culture, like what I share impacts my entire community. So I don't want to talk about that because I don't want to I don't want our communities to look bad. Korean American, hyper individualistic, like I don't need any help. Um, I can do this by myself. I don't have any weakness. Like I can do this with my own strength. Weakness is a sign, uh, vulnerability is a sign of weakness. And so 
I'm not going to ask for any help, American. Male, we have so many challenges uh, uh, as men here in America of like what a real man looks like, what, what a strong man looks like. And so, hey, I'm not going to open up. I'm not going to be emotional. I'm not going to process things. We should have things figured out, right? So men, Christian, like, I, like hey, like, you're going to judge me again and you're going to pastor like oh like if i share this are they going to come back next week and so like just myself i have five challenges of these identities that are constantly coming at me for me to not open up and so the question i would ask you is in a small way you say hey like help us to be practical what would be for you what would be some of the challenges that you face and what is maybe a the dominant one that is constantly bringing a lot of maybe fear or shame in your life for you to shrivel up and begin to process that with yourself with a friend and i would say that would be the first kind of real step in in navigating that until you tackle that it's really hard to show up to a community and just like whom open up um so that's those are some of the first thoughts that come to my mind yeah and what i appreciate about that too is you know, you're talking about things being dynamic, not static. And I think, I hope as listeners, like we do have some contribution and control over our vulnerability and what we experience. And, you know, I, I just wonder with our culture, you know, you're in Silicon Valley, we're in Rochester, New York. In some ways we have some similarities. Um, there's just like community and vulnerability always seems over over the sunset or over the sunrise or over the horizon as opposed to feeling like no like i really do have some great friends and it's it's funny to me because you know in some senses i'm sure this happens at westgate if somebody like has a baby or is in the hospital like everybody is signing on to that meal train everybody is sending the text and you know why can't we live with that responsiveness and care of people when there isn't a crisis? I don't know. That's just that's just something on my mm -hmm. mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Ah, I'm getting uh, emotional here, um, but I don't think we can really lean into vulnerability unless we've become tired of shallow conversations. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you are like in a place where like you're just tired of these like shallow waters and conversations that lead nowhere, uh, maybe that's a holy, um, holy angst and holy frustration that God is maybe bringing in your life uh, for you to maybe first be the one uh, to open up. And you, you'll be surprised how uh, vulnerability begets vulnerability. And I know I said that earlier, but like you'd be surprised, like, hey, like maybe my community isn't vulnerable. Maybe people can't go deep waters. Maybe uh, whatever you may assume about that, I would encourage you to 
just go for it and see what God does with it. And 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 oftentimes what I've realized in vulnerability is that once I began that process, it's been, I mean, there were a few times where it's been met with correction and shame and condemnation. But um, contrary to uh, most people's uh, uh, maybe perspective, it's been overwhelmingly met with a lot of kindness and even more vulnerability from other uh, folks in the space. And so I would say um, give it a shot and um, see where that goes. Um, what, why did you get so emotional as you were thinking about that? What was going through your mind? I think for the first like 30 years of my life, um, I didn't have meaningful community. And um, yeah, it's a pain point for me because um, I didn't know how to be vulnerable. I, I wish somebody taught me how to do that well. And um, I wish other people also model that in my life. Um, for the for the first 30 years, much of the conversations were really not that. And so there's just like, a, I think I'm just processing my own uh, frustration and pain of my past. Yeah. You know, and okay. to see some of our folks who who are missing such a significant uh, portion of God's gift, God's beautiful gift of community and where there's joy, laughter, celebration, and even in pain to process pain together, right? Like such a wonderful gift and like so many folks are missing it and I, I, I feel for them. And so there's a pastoral piece in me and there's also a personal piece in me. I recently came across a quote um you know, spiritual maturity is becoming the person that you needed much earlier. What did you need much earlier that that's kind of channeling and inspiring this um, to grow? Man, this is so embarrassing to say, but I earlier on, I really believe that I could do the Christian life alone that I thought I was strong enough that I don't need anybody else like me, the Bible, Jesus and prayer. I, I, I can handle it and I don't need any support from anyone else. And that's a sign of weakness. And, and as I, um, as I began that journey, I realized that that's actually not true at all. And so what I needed uh, earlier on is that that's not a true understanding of, of, strength and maturity that that you actually cannot become all that Jesus wants you to be uh, without the community that God has given in your life. The community is the very thing that God uses for you to become all that he desires you to be. And I wish I knew that earlier on in my journey. So I went through much of my Christian life alone, thinking that I was a Superman, <laughs> but I wasn't. Yeah, I and I just want to say I appreciate how obviously vulnerable and honest you are in this situation and conversation and um just letting yourself be emotional. I appreciate that. You got me emotional just watching you. So 
just appreciate that. David, I want to say that, um, in light of that, where, where do you, when you look at Jesus's life on earth, where do you see him being vulnerable? Like, how is he an example to us in this? All throughout the gospels, but I mean, just kind of picking on couple scenes that just come to my mind. The first one is that Jesus, yeah, leaned into his inner three in the garden during the most important like moments of life, like, hey, pray with me. And I really found that to be surprising. Like, Jesus, you're the you're the king of the universe. Like, why are you asking your three human friends to come with you mm-hmm. and to pray with you in the most darkest moments? And I think there's something to that. Uh, I also think Jesus is like honest conversation with God, like, um, like take this cup away from me. Like, this is too difficult. Like, I really appreciate that the the gospel writers like put that in. Like, oh my gosh, like even in, in Jesus's own struggle, like he, he had some good, honest conversations with God. Like that's so beautiful because that's an invitation for all of us to lean into that. I also really love... When Jesus um, uh, wept when uh, his friend died, Lazarus, um, because he could have uh, skipped vulnerability and he could have just been like, hey, by the way, I'm going to resurrect him like in a few minutes anyways. And so like no need for emotions here, like no need for me to pause and like cry like I already know the answer, guys. And so I really love that because Mm -hmm. even though he knew exactly what would happen, he took the time to be honest with his own um, his own turmoil and emotions and feelings and and his loves towards uh, his friend. And so um, to capture all of that, I just feel like, man, like what a beautiful picture for all of us to have as we journey with uh, Jesus. Hmm. Two, two final questions. Um, so we're going to come back to the Jesus question. So I, I think, you know, let's hold that thought, but there's probably a few people here that they hear vulnerability begets vulnerability. And they're like, man, I'm in a really, really good place. Like I got my friends, I got my family, like things are really hmm. working for me. Um, you know, and I, I hear this in churches sometimes I have enough friends I don't need any more relationships. Um, what would you say to those individuals based on, you know, our question and, and your book? Yeah. So I would ask them if you say, Hey, like I have enough friends. I think, I don't think the quantity of friends matter as much as the quality of the friendship. So the question I would say is like, how deep and meaningful is your friend, like are your friendships that you have? Like, what what does it look like? And how deep can you go? Can you trust them with the most, the deepest and the darkest parts of yourself? And if you ask them, you say, oh, no, no, I can't do that. Then I would say, hey, then maybe the, the level of friendship are not where it's supposed to be. And so that's kind of the first response to that question. Okay. No, that's good. Well, Hey, you kind of gave us a good primer, but we always end the episode with, you know, what would Jesus say 
about why can't why we can't be vulnerable in church and um so amanda and i get to respond to the question and then you get to clean up whatever mess i mean that's like what a pastor does right that's what the pastor (laughs) (laughs) god we need we need to pray for pastors jesus yeah oh for sure we're we're a mess so hey do you do you want me to go first amanda go for it okay um so while you were talking, you know, this whole time, the, the picture that I got in my head was uh, in John 1, hmm. Jesus sees Nathaniel. Um, and it's the story. Nathaniel is very cynical. Um, he doesn't think anything good can come from Nazareth where Jesus is born, um, or where Jesus lived. And, um, you know, Jesus walks up to him and um, you want to talk about like vulnerability like Jesus basically confirms and just tells him, this is what, you know, this is what you thought. And, and Nathaniel comes back and basically says, this man told me exactly what I was thinking. And I think that that's just a powerful picture because what happens is when we feel known and loved by Jesus, we ultimately give that gift to other people. Um, and the fact that Jesus made himself known, Jesus made himself vulnerable as a human, as a baby, having emotions, that is a vision for our life that we live incarnationally giving to other people. And we see that with Nathaniel, that his deepest, darkest secrets came to the surface and it led to spiritual transformation, not stepping backwards. So... That's what I think Jesus would say. Oh, can can I can I say something? Oh my gosh, so good, so good. Um, uh, oh man, um, I love what you said about Jesus being vulnerable. I mean, Jesus taking on a human body. I mean, that is the epitome of vulnerability because, the, I mean, human bodies. I mean, it's just so like. <laughs> weak and like fragile in every way and and king of kings lord of lords like taking on a human body what i really like about that is that you know people say when i talk about vulnerability they're like it's too risky right like it's like I, it can go both ways it can be it can be met with lots of grace and love and care but it could be also met with a lot of shame and condemnation when Jesus took on the human form, it was risky for him. And he did also get a fair amount of uh, uh, mistreatment, right? Abandonment and even like death, right? And so there was a lot of betrayal even for him. But the risks out- and the pain outweighs the beauty. That's, I guess, mm. what I'm trying to say. Because yes, Jesus suffered. Yes, he was rejected. Yes, he was shamed. But on the other hand, through his life, he saved the entire world Mm -hmm. through his vulnerability. So yes, it's risky. Yes, there's pain involved. And yes, let's not make this cute. Yes, you will face a ton of pain through vulnerability and disappointment. So I do want to say that. But you also get a healed life, transformed life, deep loving community, um, and that's all worth it. So I, man, like when you talked about Jesus taking on a human body, like, yes, yes. And yes. Hey, we're all about the rabbit trails. So I can't wait for what you're going to say after Amanda. So oh, go. 
I feel like Peter said it all, so I don't really need to share anything. But I will say that, um, you know, there's for me when I was saved, there was such an intimate relationship that occurred between me and God because I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, and I found that he was the one that I can go to for everything. And I was able to just like spend countless hours in the word and just build this beautiful foundation, um, in relationship between me and God. Um, and I found James four, eight to truly be true. Like if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Um, and I think that that's a perfect, um, example of what could be for relationships that if I draw near to people, they'll draw near to me that, you know, if I'm honest and vulnerable and share my life with them and, uh, bless them, then in, hopefully in return, they would do the same. And I don't do it for those purposes per se. Cause I, but I, cause you never really, you can't control what other people do. But like you said before, David, like you got to start that you have to open yourself up so they know, Hey, I'm a safe place too. Cause I'm not perfect. One of the great beauties of our Christian faith is that the the intimacy that we have with God, like this world, like even sometimes, even with our best friends and our tight knit communities, I do believe that they, we still walk in seasons of loneliness. Mm -hmm. And if you are a leader listening to this, that's part of what it means to be a leader. I'm not saying you should be alone in your leadership. It's just loneliness is one of the things that come as a leader, right? That you take on responsibilities that only you can handle and only that's given to you. And that's quite lonely. But one of the beautiful gifts of our intimacy with God, I love what you said, is that I do think that God ministers to some of these areas that that no one else can, no one else can. And in that place, we find such, such uh, safety and care and provision. And, um, and I do think that that's one of the beautiful gifts of our journey with God. That um, And so... Um, I know we're talking about community and it bleeds into community, but let us not dare to forget that that God invites us into community with him first. And mm -hmm. in that place, we drink from the well of perfect love and perfect care. Mm -hmm. And from that place, we are able to move out into the world. And so that if you do happen to have, it happened to me where your best friend betrays you, like... Well, Jesus won't. So there's a place where you can still run back to where even in the midst of, let's just say like for the, I mean, I hope this doesn't happen, but what happened if your entire inner circle like betrays you this week? How would you navigate that as a person? Um, just Jesus won't. So, wow. and yeah, and that's not a Christianese answer. It really, he, he won't. And, and I think we find refuge in that. Wow. Um, so David, uh, we're, we're going to have to have you back on again. So you, you have an open invitation from us. So this has been a very rich conversation. Where's the best place people can find you? Um, yeah, have a, a website, but maybe if you're interested in the book, just Amazon made to belong, uh, David Kim and my website and Instagram, you can find me and I'm sure, um, you guys will attack me somehow i don't know how to do that <laughs> and if not um yeah i'm at westgate church uh in san jose awesome 
Well, thank you so much for joining us. To get a hold of us, go to whygodwhypodcast.com. Click the subscribe button and you'll get this episode and many others in your inbox. Thank you so much for joining us.